Hi there, I'm James Dapache and this is Coffee and a Case Night. Team, today we are talking about a plaintiff and the plaintiff is an owner's corporation. And the owner's corporation is the owner of the common property in a building. And what the owner's corporation says is, hey, there are defects in this building. And who the owner's corporation says that to is the builder and the developer of the property. So the owner's corporation, as plaintiff, kicks off what we tend to call defect proceedings. Proceedings for the breach of the statutory warranties found in the Home Building Act here in New South Wales. Essentially saying, your building's full of defects, it's not good enough. All right. As part of these defect proceedings, what the plaintiff tries to do is arrange for a number of its experts to come and perform some more investigations on the common property in the building. This is going to take about three or four or five experts to come together close to each other during a global pandemic. And so due to the COVID, COVID, COVID restrictions, the plaintiff is unable to organise for this to go ahead, sadly for the plaintiff. Now in the background, there are some other things going on. And I should just tell you the quantum of the claim as well. The plaintiff says the claim is worth about a million dollars and also says, but after this inspection, we may uncover some additional facts that may increase or indeed may decrease the amount that is owed pursuant to the breach of these statutory warranties, which is to say, if the builder and developer is found to have breached these statutory warranties, the investigation might show there were fewer defects than the plaintiff says, but what the plaintiff says is, it's more likely that the investigations will show there were more defects. So on we march. Now, the developer, what I haven't told you, is the owner of one of the units in the building, and it is a unit of some value. And as the matter progresses, the plaintiff comes to get a bit of a sniff, comes to understand that the developer might be about to dispose of its ownership of the unit, about to transfer it away. And the plaintiff's lawyer sends off a letter to the developer's lawyer saying, hey, please don't transfer the unit, please don't allow your client to transfer the unit. And what the client does is indeed transfer the unit to a third party who we're going to call Q, just for the sake of this discussion. Now, uh, the unit is transferred to Q uh, for a face value of $3.78 million, although Q actually doesn't pay any money at all. And so the developer, that is a company, has gone from owning this unit that's worth $3.78 million to owning not very much at all, or in fact around about $900,000 in a bank account. Well, let's wind back to our defect proceedings. Remember our plaintiff says, hey developer, you're probably gonna to have to pay up in the amount of about a million dollars. And so what the plaintiff has done in the past is seek a freezing order against Q. And what that freezing order does is it prevents Q from dealing with this unit or in the alternative from dealing with the sale proceeds of the unit if it is sold for its sort of full commercial value in an arm's length transaction. And what we are talking about today is P, the plaintiff, attempting to extend that freezing order for long enough 
for the plaintiff to get their defect evidence on. Remember, their defect evidence has been delayed by COVID. Now, the other thing the plaintiff wants to do and undertakes to the court to do is to commence proceedings pursuant to Section 37A of the Conveyancing Act. Now, proceedings like this are brought on the basis that there has been a transaction that was intended to defraud creditors. Now, do you remember that the developer company transferred its ownership in the unit over to Q for on paper about four million bucks, but actually received no money? Now, what the plaintiff says, the owners corporation says is, hey, that was a transaction to defraud creditors and we undertake to sue you to go and chase that. And what the court does is quickly work through whether there's an arguable case for that section 37A uh, set of proceedings. And the court says, indeed, there is a good arguable case. And so the court then turns itself to the central question. Is the court going to order an extension of this freezing order? The developer says, hey, look, an extension is fine. Oh, sorry, the developer and Q say, hey, an extension is fine, but your claim's only a million bucks. Let us put 200 grand into a trust account, and then you can have a freezing order for 800 grand, and that's that. And we'll also undertake to keep you posted if we're gonna do anything with the apartment. Well, what the court said was no. The court gave the plaintiff what it was after, which is to say the court gave the plaintiff freezing orders that prevented Q from dealing with the apartment at all, or in the alternative, from dissipating the apartment's sale proceeds in a way that was not agreed, uh, and so long as the sale was at arm's length, uh, for another four months, with the hope that that would allow time for the plaintiff to get its evidence on to run its defect proceedings, and also to get rolling with the section 37A proceedings regarding the transfer with the intent to defraud creditors. So the broad thing we learned today is the circumstances in which a freezing order might be extended for a plaintiff who is worried about whether the person they are suing is gonna have enough money to pay any judgment. I hope that the discussion assisted you and I look forward to speaking again soon over another lockdown coffee <laughs> and in respect of another case note soon. Have a good day. Cheers.